0: All right, if you got your Bibles open up to Colossians chapter 3, uh, we're going to be in verses 15 through 17 as we kind of continue this idea of pursuit. Uh, back in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, we saw the verse that says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And that verse kind of impacts and influences the rest of the chapter. Basically, all of chapter 3 is kind of flowing out of this verse. That if we are going to live life. Lives where we are seeking Christ first and foremost, if we're going to live lives where, where the goal of our life, the pursuit, the direction of our life is set on Christ, what does that look like? So right after that, we looked at how... We have to make the, the choice to follow Christ. It is not something that happens by accident or by chance or mystically. It's something that we choose to say, I'm going to uh, walk with Christ. That's going to be my goal. We then talked about how we are to fight against sin. He talked about putting off that which was earthly and putting to death the sin in our life that is it is to be um, fought against, wrestled against, that we agree with God that sin is bad, so we strive to keep it from our life through Him. And then for the last, I guess, three weeks, we've been looking at this idea of what do we put on. Starting in verse 12, he told us that if you're going to put off sin, then this is the stuff that you have to put on. So last week, we looked at some of the character traits that we as believers are to be putting on in our life. He talked about uh, the compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, um, and forgiving one another, and letting love kind of bind all of that together. well, as we continue on this morning we 're going to look at kind of how we respond to um, to difficult times in our life because The reality is, life is not always easy. There are times when life can be stressful. Maybe there's times when we're tempted to allow fear to take control or worry to take control. And in our world, it seems that this idea of stress and worry and fear has kind of dominated people so much that... um, well, I mean, I've seen just looking on social media and looking through the news, there are people who are stressed out and worried about uh, what the future looks like, about the planet, about uh, who the president is or who the president isn't, and and it seems like everyone takes uh, different kinds of medication because they're so stressed out or so worried. And and look, I'm not trying to, to knock. Sometimes maybe you need that. I understand that that sometimes there are things that are difficult to to wrestle with. But as Christians, what Paul gives us right here. Is he says, basically, in the midst of your worry, in the midst of your stress, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of all of this stuff that can kind of come on you and kind of make you fearful of the future and fearful of what's going to happen next, and and worry so much. As Christians, we have another avenue. As Christians, we have something greater, not only that we can trust in, but as Christians, we have a promise that in trusting in God that even in the midst of hard times, we can have peace in the midst of those times. So let's look at the passage. We'll read it, we'll pray, and then we'll make our way back through the passage. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Father God, we come before you now. God, I pray that as we look at your word, as we look at your truth. Father God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would encourage us. God, I pray that you would challenge us. And Father God, I pray that you would move us closer to yourself. Father God, I pray that you would speak through your word and through your Holy Spirit, God, louder than my voice could. Draw us closer to you. Help us love you and follow you and worship you with all that we are. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right, so the first thing that we see in verse 15 is that we have to choose the peace that Christ offers. Verse 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Now, the peace of Christ, let's talk about that for a second because the peace of Christ is twofold. One, it means that there is now peace between God and man through Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear that sin, the sin of Adam and Eve, the sin that we have all committed, um, has created hostility between God and mankind. We are described throughout the book of Romans and the book of James, we are described as God's enemies. And though even though we were God's enemies, God still chose to love us. Even though um, we would have joined in with everyone else who cursed and spat on Jesus on the cross... He still loved us and died for us and it's through the death the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have the option to go from enemies of God to the sons and daughters of God from there being hostility between us and God to there being peace between us and God and so the first aspect of, of the peace of Christ is that God or through Christ there is now peace between God and man if If we place our faith and trust in Jesus and repent of our sins. If we are God's children, meaning we've repented of our sins, we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we've gone through that life change of justification where we've gone from being dead to being alive in Christ. We've gone through salvation, if we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no more hostility between us and God. Now for those who have not placed their faith and trust in Christ yet, there is still hostility between them and God. But if they place their faith and trust in Jesus, that hostility is gone and there's peace between God and man. So the first aspect when we think about the peace of Christ is that peace that Christ creates between God and man through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through His death, burial, and resurrection. The second aspect of the peace of Christ is that because because we have been adopted into God's family, because God is now our Father, because of that initial peace that Christ creates through His death, burial, resurrection and our faith and trust in Him, because of this peace, believers can now have peace and live at rest even in the midst of of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of trying times. And here's what that means. The Bible never promises us that life is going to be easy. It doesn't. In fact, the Bible is clear that we now have an enemy because we are God's children. His desire is to make life as difficult as it can be, hoping to move us away from Jesus. And so we live a life where just like everyone else, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, life happens, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Sometimes we go through trying things. Sometimes there's fears that creep in our life. Sometimes there's situations where life is just hard and life is just difficult. But the Bible promises us that because we are God's children, because we have placed our faith and trust in Him, we can have peace. Even in the midst of those trying times. Even when our circumstances don't change. And so the question is, how or why can we have peace? And the answer is this, because we are now God's children. We've been adopted into God's family. And the God who is Psalm 115 3 says, sits on his throne and does whatever he pleases. This God is our father. This God who loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us. Meaning that he's not going to of a sudden stop loving us just because our life got hard. That if he loved us enough to send his son to die for us, then we can trust that whatever is going on in our life, God is causing or allowing this to happen because he has a bigger and greater plan for this and the impact that it has in our life. Romans 8.28 says, for God works all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. If we are striving to follow God, if we are striving to to walk with God, if we are striving to to, to love God and be obedient to God, we're kind of in this this action of pursuing Christ, setting our mind, our eyes, on where Christ is sitting, excuse me, above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. If this is the direction of our life and we are loving God and we have surrendered to Him in salvation, the Bible says that God works all things for our good. Now, once again, sometimes God takes us through some, some hard times to get us to those good times. Think about the life of Joseph. Joseph, who um, was loved by his father and was kind of spoiled above the rest of his brothers, and he was despised by his brothers, so they sold him into slavery. He was a slave, and then even in, a, in, in slavery, he began to kind of rise to the ranks, and he was falsely accused of rape, and he was thrown in jail. And in jail, he was trusted by the, uh, the, the chief jailers, and he ended up, being rescued by Pharaoh and becoming second in command over Egypt that he went through some trying and some difficult times but through all of that God had a plan and a purpose for his life that was greater than anything that he went through once he got to the end now that doesn't mean that God's plan is for all of us to become kings and queens but God's plan if we trust him what God has planned is greater than what we could plan what God has planned is greater than than what we might go through to get to that point. And so the Bible doesn't promise us that everything's going to be rainbows and roses for us, but the Bible does promise that in the midst of difficult times, we have a God who, first of all, is on His throne and does whatever He pleases, meaning God's in control. There's nothing or no one that is stronger than God or that can usurp his power or usurp his authority. God is always in control, 100%, forever and always. So we serve a God. Not only do we serve a God, but we have as our Father the God who's in control of all things. We also have as our Father the God who loves us, who is a good Father, who has good things planned for us. And so when we go through these trying times, when we keep our focus set on Christ, when we keep our focus focus set on God. This peace that we can have in the midst of this comes from the reliance and comes from the fact and comes from the trust in that God is in control. God loves me and God has a plan and a purpose to work this for my good. And so instead of focusing on the fear, instead of focusing on the worry, instead of focusing on the stress or the doubt or anything else, I'm going to place my focus on Christ. I'm going to place my focus on how much God has loved me through Christ and I'm going to trust in Him. And the Bible promises that when we do that, the peace of Christ is there to comfort us. The peace of Christ is there to to get us through. The peace of Christ is there to rule and reign in our hearts over the fear, the doubt, the worry, and everything else that comes with that. So the peace of Christ. All right, next we have to choose to believe in Christ's peace. So that verse, in verse 15, it says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, at first glance, that word rule, we might think that that means kind of like the king uh, ruling over over his kingdom. But that's not what the word means, especially in the Greek. In the word, or this word in the Greek was used in a time, or not in a time, it was used for sporting events. And it refers to the referee. And so it refers to the referee making those those judgment calls or making those calls on the foul. And so the idea here, this idea of let the peace of Christ basically referee in your hearts or referee in your life, it means we have to come to a place where we are making a decision, where we are making a choice that says... I'm going to trust in Christ. I'm going to trust in His promises. I'm going to trust in the peace that He offers me. I'm going to trust in who God is. I'm going to trust that God loves me over allowing my fear to run rampant, over allowing worry to dominate my life, over allowing stress to dictate who I am and how I'll respond to people. I'm going to choose, as a referee has to make that choice, as a referee has to make that decision, I am going to choose to follow after Christ. I'm going to choose to follow Him. Now, we have a... um, Just kind of practically, when we place our focus on Christ, and as that referee, we make that decision that says, I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to trust His promises, I'm going to trust Him over my worry, my fear, my doubt, my stress. Practically, when we focus on Christ, it means that we're not focusing on all this other stuff. But on the flip side, if we're focusing on the worry, the stress, the doubt, and all of this, then we cannot focus on Christ because they're looking in two different directions. And there's a reality and a truth that just kind of is true for life. That the more we focus on the worry and the stress and the fear and the doubt then the deeper we're going to get into it. Because that's where our focus is at. That's kind of the direction our life is aimed. When, 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 when there's a situation and maybe I'm, I'm fearful for my kid's safety, maybe uh, fear dominates and I'm I'm worried about what's going to happen next uh, in my job or I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of, of, of how things are going. I'm allowing that fear and that worry and that stress to kind of take control. The more I focus on that, the kind of deeper I sink into that and the more pre- prevalent or the more kind of prevailing it becomes in my life. But on the flip side, if I'm focusing on Christ, if I'm saying, look, I've got to make a choice. I'm either going to let this fear or this worry or this doubt dominate in my heart or in my life, or or I can choose to trust in Jesus. I can choose to trust that he's in control. Even if things don't work out the way that I want them to or think that they should. I'm going to choose to trust in Jesus. And I'm going to choose his peace. I'm going to choose to rely on him. I'm going to choose not to ignore my problems. But I'm going to choose to believe that God is in control. And that God has a purpose. And God has a reason. When I do that and my focus is set on Christ. Then I'm not focusing on my fear. I'm not focusing on the worry. I'm not focusing focusing on the doubt and the stress but I'm focusing on Jesus and so this kind of gets put behind me because my focus is on Christ but if my focus is on the fear then it begins to overtake my life and my focus is not on Christ anymore and so we have to make that choice what am I going to do where is my focus going to be as that referee makes that decision as they make that call we have to basically referee our life and we let the peace of Christ referee meaning we trust Christ as greater than the fear, the stress, the worry, the doubt, everything that comes along with that. And so part of this comes down to emotion versus truth. Now, understand, emotion is a good thing. God has created us as emotional beings. God has not created us to be robots, to have no emotions. But our emotions are to be guided and to be formed, to be shaped, to be kind of corralled by truth. That There are times when we have to say, I'm in a situation and maybe Abigail is going off on a, on a field trip on a school bus to Jonesboro. What if happens if that bus gets in a wreck? What happens if she gets to Joan Burrow and someone kidnaps her? What happens if she gets down there and she gets sick? What happens? I can And, and you can allow these, these what happens. You can allow these what ifs. You can allow these doubts to kind of run away with you Or you can trust, you know what, God, I'm going to believe that you're in control. I'm going to pray for my daughter. I'm going to trust that your hand is on her. And if something bad happens, then I'm going to trust that you're still in control. And I'm going to trust that you have a purpose and a reason. And so, I can either allow my emotions and my fears and my my worries to kind of run away, or I can say, I'm going to trust in God in the midst of this. I'm going to depend on Him. I'm going to trust that He is sovereign and in control. And it comes down to emotion versus truth. And so, we need to make sure that truth, that God is in control, that God loves us, that God is good, that even when bad things happen, God is still sovereign, God has a plan, God has a purpose. We have to trust that God is in control, even when our emotions want to run the opposite direction. So emotions can be good. I'm not saying emotions are bad, but we need to make sure that our emotions are being, emotions are being kind of corralled, guided, dictated, controlled by the truth of God's Word. Because if not, and our emotions run wild, then that typically moves us away from trusting in God and trusting in His truth. All right, so next in verse 15, it tells us to choose to be thankful. So verse 15, it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, It's a very basic command. There's not just a ton to be said here. We are to be thankful. What is the opposite of being thankful? It's it's complaining. When the the Israelites were in the wilderness and they constantly complained, that's when judgment happened. That's when God sends different things uh, to happen to the people because they're constantly complaining. And the Bible is clear that we need to be thankful because complaining, once again, complaining comes from this kind of uh, self centered kind of focus. Complaining comes from this kind of selfishness that says, I'm not getting what I want, or things aren't happening the way that I want them to, or things are harder than I want them to be. So I'm going to complain about this. Whereas being thankful says, I understand that this might be hard, but I also understand that God is in control. I understand that God has a purpose. I understand that God is still on his throne. I understand that God still loves me, and so i 'm going to be thankful instead of complaining about whatever is going on in my life. The best illustration of this in scripture that just that I always go back to is found in uh, Acts chapter five in Acts chapter five, the first five chapters um, Jesus has ascended into heaven, the church has been growing by leaps and thousands of people at a time are being saved. the kind of ruling class in Israel are terrified because there are so many people turning away from Judaism and turning to Christ. So they take the 12 disciples or 11 disciples. Judas has already hung himself. They take the 11 disciples who are well, there's 12 because they got Matthias. Anyways, excuse me. So they've got the 12 disciples. They've been out preaching. They've been out teaching about Jesus Christ. People have been being saved. And so they call them in there and they say, look, you've got to stop this. And the disciples say, absolutely not. We're not stopping. So they take them. They arrest them. They beat them with whips and then they let them go. And at the end of chapter 5 of the book of Acts it says that they leave rejoicing. They leave praising God because they were Worthy, considered worthy to suffer shame for his name that in the midst of being arrested, in the midst of being intimidated, in the midst of being physically beaten because of their faith, there is rejoicing, there is thankfulness, there is praise because of Jesus Christ. They counted that Jesus Christ was in control. They counted that Jesus Christ was worthy. They believed that He was greater than whatever else they could have in their life. And so they were thankful, even in the midst of a very difficult time, because Jesus was worth more to them. And their love for Jesus impacted their life so much that they could be thankful, even leaving rejoicing after being beaten with whips because they were thankful for who Jesus is and what He had done for them. When we go through hard times, it is easy for us to complain. It is easy for us to whine. It is easy for us to kind of have those kind of Eeyore pity parties where we just kind of uh, complain about everything that is wrong. But when we complain and we are not thankful, then once again, our focus has shifted from Christ and it is focused on ourself. Our focus is not on Jesus and who he is, that God is on his throne, that he loves us, that he is good, but our focus is once again on ourself. And the more our focus shifts off of Jesus and it shifts to ourself, or it shifts to that fear, that worry, that doubt, that stress, the more we are going to just kind of sink in that, that the only answer to combat that. To have peace and to have thankfulness is to focus on Christ. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Let's go. On. Say I might use another illustration, but we've got 10 minutes left so and two more points. So let's just keep going. All right. Verse 16. In verse 16, we see that our peace and our thankfulness are influenced by our understanding of God through his word. So verse 16 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and teaching and, and teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and thankfulness in your hearts to God. The idea here is this peace that he has talked about, this thankfulness that he has talked about. And we've kind of talked about this. This is all kind of centered on Christ, trusting that God is in control, trusting that, that God is, uh, still loves us, that God is still good. That all of this is directly impacted by what we know about God. And what do we know about God. What we know from the Bible. God has revealed himself, who he is, what he desires, how he loves us, how we are to love him. He has revealed that through his word. And so if we are going to have the faith to trust God in the midst of stress and fear, in the midst of being tempted to complain, then we have to know God's word and know what God says about himself through his word. Now, the words that he uses here in this verse are kind of interesting. Interesting. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. That word dwell there means to make his home. Let God's word kind of set down roots in your life. Let God's word make, make its house, make its home in your heart and in your life. And then he also adds in there, let it dwell in you richly. That word richly means extravagantly. Basically, let God come into your life and set up shop. Let God's Word come into your life and and completely change how everything looks. Let God's Word come into your life and what used to be decorated in there, let Him move it all out and let Him throw everything that He wants in there, which is infinitely greater than what was there before. Jessica and I watched these... um, uh, these home renovation shows on, I think it's HGTV. Um, my favorite one, it's, it's a couple out of Mississippi that have their own show. Maybe it's just because I'm from Mississippi. I don't know. They just seem likable. But they come into some some houses that some of them are falling apart. Some of them need to be moved. Some of them are just kind of old and dingy and broken down. And they come in and they tear out walls and they throw up new paint and they throw in new counters and new countertops. And, and what once was kind of, kind of dingy and just not the greatest looking house, all of a sudden it has new life. All of a sudden it looks incredible. All of a sudden it has more value. All of a sudden the people who are either used to live there, the people who are buying the house, they say, wow, this isn't even the same house. It doesn't even look the same. I can't believe that this is the same place that we had looked at previously And the idea there is they had come in and they had kind of knocked out everything that was new and kind of added richly, extravagantly, all of this new stuff that made the house more valuable and gave it more life. And so in the same way, God's Word, when we read God's Word, when we allow God's Word to begin to change us, when we read God's Word and we surrender to the things that God is teaching us, when we allow it to kind of come into our life, it begins to, God begins to, convict us, to challenge us through his word, through his truth. He begins to knock out the old, knock out the fear, knock out the doubt, knock out the worry. And he begins to set up shop with his truth that says, trust me. I am in control. Trust me. I love you. Trust me. Uh, I can give you peace in the midst of the hard times because of who I am, because of how I love you, the, because of the fact that I am in control. And he sets up shop extravagantly and richly in our life. And he completely changes who we are. But that only happens when we allow God's Word to dwell in us richly. If we are not spending time in God's Word, then that does not happen. And so he kind of follows it up with says teaching and admonishing one another. So being in God's Word, it kind of directs us in who to be and how we are to live. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. God's Word, the more we learn about who God is, the more we learn about who God is and how God works and what God desires for our life, it pushes us to worship God. It pushes us to honor God. It pushes us to trust God that even in the midst of difficult times, we can have peace by trusting in who God is and praising Him because of it. Think of the book in Acts when uh, Paul and I believe it's Barnabas have been arrested and they're sitting in that Philippian jail and they're sitting there arrested and they begin to sing praises to God in the midst of a time where maybe they should be worried. Maybe they should be afraid. They're arrested. They don't know what's going to happen next. Maybe they get beat. Maybe they get killed. They have no idea, but they sit there and they praise and they worship God because He is in control in the midst of a time that that is not the natural response. But because they knew who God was, because they trusted God, because they loved God it drove them to praise and to worship Him it drove them to have peace in the midst of an unpeaceful time. And so letting the Word of Christ dwell in us, it encourages us to walk with God. It encourages us to worship God. And it brings that thankfulness in your hearts to God. I've said this a million times in my life, and I'll say it hopefully a billion more. As Christians, we cannot grow in our faith apart from God's Word. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. If you want to grow in your faith, it, one of the things that impacts that in a very strong way is how much time are we spending in God's Word? Now, that doesn't mean that you have to spend hours a day studying, but are you spending time reading God's Word and thinking about it? Are you spending time reading God's Word and memorizing it? Are you spending time reading God's Word and kind of setting your life up against God's Word to say, am I walking with God? Am I loving God? Are you reading God's Word and allowing God to encourage you or to challenge you or to convict you through it? Now, there's a million different ways that you can read God's Word. There's some people that try to read through the Bible in a year, um, and they read multiple chapters a day. That's great. If that's what you want to do, if that helps you, if that benefits you, that's incredible. I can't do that. I don't have the mental capacity to take everything in. I read it, and I just forget it all instantly. So I usually pick one chapter or even one small section, and I'll read it a couple of different times so it helps me to think about it. It helps me know what I've read so I can kind of process it. Whatever you need to do, spend time in God's Word. If you want to grow in your faith, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. That's what we have to do. Then we're going to close with this in verse 17. Pursuing Christ means trusting and valuing Him over everything else. So Paul kind of sums up these first 17 verses in chapter 3, and he says this, And whatever you do, in word or deed. So whatever you do, whether you're acting, whether you're talking, basically this is kind of summing up all of who we are. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through Him. If we are going to pursue Christ, if we are going to set our, our focus, set our gaze, set our attention on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, then we have to make a decision that says Jesus is more important than everything else. Jesus is greater than everything else. Jesus has more value in my life than everything else. So no matter what I do, in word or in deed, I'm going to do all to the glory of God. Meaning, I'm going to do everything thinking, does this honor God's name? Does this glorify God's name? Can I do this in a way that it exalts God or glorifies God or praises God? Now, Once again, that does not mean that we have to live in the church 24-7 or or carry our Bible around 24-7 or that we can't watch football games or basketball games. But if we're watching a game, is it overtaking our life? Is Is it changing who we are, how we react, how we respond to certain calls? If it is then are we doing that to the glory and honor of God when we go to work are we doing that to the glory and honor of God and how we treat other people and how we do our job and how we respond to other people when we are around people who don't know Jesus are we doing that to the glory and honor of God are we loving people are we being compassionate to people are we forgiving people are we living and doing all that we are to the glory and honor of God are we fighting against sin are we choosing to follow him are we choosing to trust him This kind of wraps up this whole thing. This kind of wraps up this whole 17 verses. Is whatever you do, do everything uh, everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That as Christians, the focus and the pursuit of our life is not being more moral or not being um, better church attenders. The focus of our life is... It's Jesus. Are we loving Jesus? Are we following Jesus? Because guess what? If we're loving and following Jesus, we're going to be more moral. If we're loving and following Jesus, we're going to be at church more often. If we're loving and following Jesus, it's going to impact how we treat our kids, our wives, our jobs, everything. If we're loving and following Jesus, it's going to change where our minds go, where our thoughts go, where our actions go, what we do in private. If we're loving and following Jesus, it changes everything about us. And so he kind of brings us back to the front to set your eyes, set your focus on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The purpose of our life, the goal of our life is to pursue Jesus. And when we do that, one of the blessings that comes with that is God, through trusting him, gives us peace and the ability to be thankful even when life is hard, even when life is difficult. Because God is great, God is good, and God loves us more than anyone else ever could. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now and thank you for this time that you've given us to come and to worship you. Father God, I pray that as we move forward, God, just, not even just in the service, but in life, Father God, that we will move forward with our hearts and our minds focused on you. God, that we would move forward to uh, our loving you and trusting you, God. That we would move forward, Father God, fighting against sin. That we would move forward uh, pursuing you and doing the things that you have called us to do and being the people you have called us to do. God, that we would move forward, God, just embracing uh, your grace, embracing uh, your compassion, embracing uh, the peace and the thankfulness, God, that you have promised us through yourself. Father God, help us to day in and day out, trust more and more and more, God, that you are in control, that you are good, that you are God, that you love us. And Father God, as we trust in that more, God, move us away from fear, move us away from stress, move us away from worry, and God, stand us, set us squarely and firmly, God, in trusting and believing that you are who you say you are. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.